Hey guys, Mitch from Mitch's Kitchen here. We're back for episode number eight of The Taste of Success. And today we are here with Alicia Langridge. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Very good, thank you. So Alicia is someone that I've known for a few years now since Offbeat. Um, also a fellow foodie and someone who also has over 30,000 Instagram followers. So um, introduce yourself and why people are interested in what you do as well. Hey everyone, so I'm Alicia Rainbow Room on Instagram. Um, I'm a WW ambassador and I've kind of started my journey through sharing like what I eat day to day on my page. So that would kind of help me to try new things, uh, focus on like what's going on my plate and what, how healthy it is. Um, but then in turn, I was able to kind of reach a WW community of other people who were doing similar things. And then that kind of branched into finding loads of amazing vegan foodie accounts. And I found Offbeats, met Mitch and your incredible food. And that like blew my mind in terms of where you can go with plant-based food. So that's kind of my uh, message behind my account. It's just focusing on colourful food, but also like repairing uh, previous neg negative relationships with food that I had um, in terms of always seeing food as the enemy. Whereas now I want to build and establish a healthy, balanced relationship with food, you know, and still enjoy all the things like pizza, cookies and cake, but also making healthy food really interesting and exciting as well. That's amazing. So um, for those listening that don't know WW, it's obviously what was previously Weight Watchers um, and it's all kind of changed now to WW. Um, yeah, that's right. It's, uh, it was called Weight Watchers Reimagined. <laughs> Yeah, and I know there's there's a few different new aspects. It's like there's mindfulness and things like included with it. And um, so, can you explain kind of the current format now to anyone new and anyone who may be interested to find out more? Yeah, definitely. So I think with Weight Watchers previously, there was quite a misconception that it was all about kind of diets, and I think it got quite a lot of stigma for mainly being heavily relating to women and like elderly people, like an older generation that would go to meetings and had quite a stigma in it in that sense. Um, but since the rebranding, it's called Wellness That Works now. And there is um, honestly a real shift towards kind of concentrating on wellness and focusing on how you feel over what you weigh. Um, and you can go to virtual workshops at the moment because obviously uh, lockdown and restrictions that are currently in place mean that you can't go to your workshops. Um, but I think that's kind of lifting gradually now. Um, but that through the WW app, there is this whole kind of, realm of wellness um, assistance that you can get so there's the headspace app which is linked with ww so you can get loads of free uh, headspace content through that way um, and there's also the fit on app which is like online um, coaching and exercising so right. say if you felt like doing a leg workout or something you just go on the ww app and there's loads of different coaches that will do different types of workouts for different areas and also for different abilities. So it's really accessible and welcoming to not just females, but also males, all ages. And I think the shift away from focusing on what you weigh is really helpful because so many of us get bogged down in what we look like. And then that in turn can affect your mental health. So I think just taking it away from that and focusing more on nutrition, wellness, and just trying to build your own confidence and doing what works for you really helps because there's three plans now so essentially for people that don't really know uh, anything about ww you get like um, a daily smart point allowance which will depend on which plan you're doing so for example if you're on the purple plan a lot of whole foods are zero smart points which essentially means you don't have to like worry about weighing or tra tracking food in that sense 
you eat until you're satisfied. And I think that really gets you in tune with your own hunger cues and other foods might be smart pointed to help with portion control. So it's all about focusing on filling your plate with foods that are going to keep you fuller for longer but if you want to have something on a weekend or you want to go out for dinner and have ice cream you're not going to be punished for it or feel guilty for it so I think it's really helpful in the sense that it um it builds in balance and shows you that you're not cheating on a diet if you want to go out for dinner which I think is so important because I spent years sort of punishing myself if I wanted to go out for dinner <laughs> I think that's the the main shift that I've personally seen is I know in the past I had kind of a view towards it very much like you were saying, it was a stigma of yeah. oh, that's just ladies meeting up, weighing themselves, talking about diet, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. Now it, you see um, people like yourself sharing recipes, saying this is only three smart points, seven smart points, whatever it is, but you see it is really nutritious, healthy, colourful. Um, and it's, it's fantastic to see that kind of shift and I imagine the demographic, so the younger audience are getting much more involved now, especially with ambassadors like yourself. Yeah, and it's to show that it is accessible to everyone. Like you don't have to just eat kind of like beige, boring foods. Like back in the day, like I did the special K diet, like how boring and miserable is that? And like only eating certain meals or certain foods at certain times, but like each person that does WW will eat different meals every day. There's no one size fits all. And I think when people realise that actually it's open to everyone of all walks of life, all different um, dietary requirements, if you're vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, there is something for you. And I think when you know that, it then makes you realise, well, actually, I might want to give it a go, particularly if you're kind of looking for ways to balance portion control and things like that. Because um, that's kind of, I didn't really know where to start. I was very much a jarred sauce kind of person. Like I didn't even know how to make like a pasta sauce or something simple like that. And I think as soon as you start teaching yourself those tools or how to use your spice rack or your herb rack, all you need is three or four key ingredients and then you're good to go. So that's what's helped me realise and it's taught me. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, your, your feed is always full of amazing looking food and you've obviously been on quite a food journey yourself. So when did this all begin for you in terms of finding WW or your food journey to where you are now? Yeah, I guess when I think back to like being a child, I have always had like a, a sense of kind of what I look like from a very young age and feeling different from other people. So I sort of grew up overweight as a child and I'd been picked on at school and things for being overweight. And um, there's one memory that kind of sticks in my mind when I was five, we went to Long Down Dairy Farm and I don't like dairy farms are awful anyway, but we went on a school trip and I fell off a wooden cow. <laughs> and these wooden cows are quite like big well they're probably not big to adults like as a child it was huge and as I fell on the floor I winded myself but also wet myself so that was embarrassing enough if you're with a class full of kids already larger and you wet yourself um, but I remember they put they obviously had to change my knickers so they get they must have had spare knickers for people that have accidents so they changed me into these pants and I remember they were so tight they were like digging in and that was from that age I thought god like I don't fit I don't fit into these and this is like am I not normal then and from that that kind of stuck with me I never really had like a nutritious food was never really at the forefront of our family so like my mum was always working she's so busy and she'd always make sure that I was full and fed but it wasn't necessarily like homemade from scratch food if you see what I mean yeah. I always joke and say that mum like fed me with love like if she was cooking dinner and I was hungry rather than saying like I'll oh, have an apple it would be 
I'll have something to keep you going, like a packet of crisps or a chocolate bar or something. So I never really had a very positive relationship with food. I only ever saw food as good or bad. And I think that kind of having that kind of feeling from a young age then stayed with me through teenage years and early 20s. And I kind of did things like yo-yo diets. I mentioned the special K diet, only eating after certain times. And it's only when I look back on it now that actually I think that probably I did have like disordered eating in some kind of way, shape or form. And I think a lot of people do without actually realizing it at the time. And it wasn't until I got to my 20s when I thought, do you know, what? I don't want to be on a diet anymore. It got to the point where I was either starving myself and restricting myself or binge eating. And there was no in between. I just wanted to get to a point in my life where I didn't really think about food in a way that was either like demonizing it or like starving myself. So I thought I need to go back to basics and learn nutrition and how to feed myself in a way that isn't kind of, you know, it's just balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I went to WW and I know it was called Weight Watchers back then, but I kind of approached it with a different mindset. I didn't want to lose half a stone to fit in a bikini on holiday or uh, I didn't want to just get into a size, a certain size of clothing. I just wanted to lose weight. Uh, I wanted to lose around two stone, but I wanted to lose it slowly and also keep it off for the long term. So no more yo-yo dieting. So um, from that point forward, I think changing your mindset in that way and approaching it in that kind of way means that you don't have the pressure to lose weight quickly. And also, if you do put on a bit of weight at some point in time or go out for dinner, you're not punishing yourself. So giving yourself that freedom to enjoy and love food actually meant that I was able to lose weight and keep it off for a longer amount of time. So I think it's five years on now that I've lost two stone and haven't really yo-yoed, give or take a few pounds, but I don't really weigh myself uh, anymore because I find that that in itself can be quite, um, it can cause certain emotions and feelings of seeing a number of the scales when really we're all so much more than that. Um, so I think, touch wood, I'm kind of in a good place in terms of food. You know, like we'll have weekends where you eat what you like, but rather than beat myself up about it, I just enjoy food now rather than seeing it as like an enemy or cheating a diet. But yeah. what, what about you, Mitch? Like how, cause for men, I think men don't really open up about like food and how they view food. But I think there is a lot of stigma for women in the media, but for men as well, there is. And I don't think that's spoken about as much. Um, and WW is certainly trying to open the barriers to that so that men can be feel included as well. And I think that's really important. Yeah, well, for me, likewise, um, I had quite a overweight childhood. I was very much a snacker. I'd eat everything like yeah. sweet. That was my go-to. Like a pack of biscuits would be the whole pack for me. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I had that same kind of food childhood, um, and it was only when I was fifteen I saw um, free running on the television. So when I spoke to Sebastian the other day, he was the person I saw yeah. on, on TV doing all this amazing acrobatics, jumping, climbing, and I was like, I want to do that, but I know my current shape and size and strength, I'm not going to be able to do this. So I started yeah. healthier, started cutting out junk, and over time learned that, oh, if I eat right and then I feel good from that, I'm going to perform better and I can improve, I can lose weight, I can get stronger. So I had this kind of like, I was at about 15, and then I did go kind of up and down again. I would try all sorts. Like I got onto like protein shakes and everything was high protein. And um, then I got down the line, maybe when I was 20 odd, um, I started doing intermittent fasting and really calorie counting. But that's where I got really bad, like over healthy eating behaviors, like you said, where 
yeah. calories I would restrict. I was even weighing things like cucumber just to be like, right, I can only have 50 grams of this and 40 grams of this and mm. everything was regimented until the weekend where I would just binge. Um, so that was, I lost weight. I got in sort of some of the best shape I've ever been in, but mentally I definitely had a terrible relationship with food because like you said, it's good food, yeah. bad food. I can't be having this. Or if I'm calorie counting, you're like, well, I actually really want a chocolate bar. So if I have that, then I'll just reduce them calories and then I'll just not eat as much the rest of the day. Or like you, you have that kind of environment. And it was only when I actually went yeah. vegan that I stopped calorie counting. Um, it was when I started working in offbeat, we, we're tasting stuff as you go. It's really hard to calorie count in a restaurant. Um, even when I joined, I was like, right, what's the calories in this? Maybe we should put the calories on the menu and, and all that. And within a few months, my whole outline and aspects and view towards food completely changed to saying, actually, eat a varied diet, um, eat yeah. lots of colors, and more intuitively. And over the past sort of three, four years now, I've really got a much better relationship with foods um, to the point that now, again, like you said, I don't really weigh myself. I do it every now and then, but I've stuck at the same weight for probably about the last four or five years without trying. And it's not like I'm always eating healthy. Like people are like, oh, you're vegan. You must be eat really healthy. It's like, no, no, no. Like you can eat. <laughs> Have you seen the vegan? <laughs> yeah, there's literally everything that you could possibly eat that's ve like, you know, if they're ice cream, you have a vegan equivalent. Like everything has a vegan equivalent now. So you can get a still vegan junk food. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the other thing. But yeah, like, like you said, it is a good, um, good thing to point out that it's great what WW are doing, and especially for the male side and getting this kind of conversation going. Because I know when I was learning and trying to look into food and nutrition, you look at bodybuilders and it's chicken, rice, broccoli, protein shake, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like it was very copy paste. And it's like, that's how you get lean. This is how you get strong. This is this. Whereas now we've got this new wave of plant-based athletes as well who are saying, no, eat this, like eat what an elephant eats to get strong. And um, yeah, yeah, don't worry too much about protein and just kind of listen to your body more. Um, so it's been, yeah, a really interesting journey, but we're always learning. Absolutely. And I think with like things, when you focus more on just filling your plate with what you want and what you fancy, you're less likely to then want to binge eat and just eat everything like you're never going to be able to eat again because you think, well, I might not fancy that bit of dark chocolate now, but in a couple of days time I might. So I don't have to eat it all now. And I think, whereas before it'd very much be, I had two days to eat whatever the hell I wanted. And then five days where I had to just eat certain foods, but um, that's no way to live. And I think just by giving yourself that freedom to choose what you want to eat and actually pause and think, well, am I actually hungry right now? Or am I just eating this way because I've tracked my meals or I've tracked my calories in a certain way that I have to eat this time. Um, you realize that actually the habits that you created were mainly just down to sort of society telling you that you had to eat these certain foods um, and that's why I love vegan as well because there's so many different options that you can have and like I find that vegetables like are really filling um, and people look at my meals and say god your, your portions are huge but if you think about it like half of it is at least vegetables yeah. so it is still goodness I find that sometimes I do have to eat like larger portions to keep me fuller but I guess it's probably because I don't, I don't know, understand the full nutritional side behind it, but I'm assuming that if you're eating more plants, like you have to eat a higher quantity to make sure you're getting the same amount of nutrients to say if you're having a chicken breast or something. Yeah, it's, it's, it's volume food. A lot of plant foods are, well, there's a higher water content, there's a lower calorie, yeah. a lower fat content and all this kind of stuff. So again, depending on what you're having, you need to eat a lot more. Like I remember my first 
month of um, being vegan, like doing veganuary in 2016, I think I lost a stone because I thought I was eating enough. Like I'd have a full plate, but then I was losing weight and I'm like, why am I doing this? Like I'm, I'm eating. And then I started counting calories just out of interest mm. to say, am I eating enough? And suddenly realized yeah. that actually, because it's such volume food, you can eat twice as much. So as someone who loved eating lots, I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's really important that if someone is looking to go plant-based or vegan from a very traditional diet, do look at your portion sizes and, and understand your food a bit as to whether are you eating enough? Because that's when you hear people who go onto a vegan or plant-based diet and say, oh, I had no energy. I was really tired. I had this. Mm. It could be not only vitamin D or B12 deficiency, which you can easily supplement. Yeah. It's in most plant milks or stuff like nutritional yeast. Um, but also just pure calories. Are you getting enough calories? Yeah, and because people say to me, I was hungry all the time. It's like, well, if you're hungry, you need to eat more, um, you know, and snacking on things. Like I, I am such a fruit bat. Like I probably lots of sugar content, but I just love like grazing on different fruits throughout the day. Um, just keep them chopped up in your fridge, have them fresh. So if you get a bit peckish, you can make sure that you're filling up with fruits and um, also I love hummus and um, so anything with like crudités if you wanted like a little bit of hummus with some different dips on the side like just having those quick snacks that you can go to really help as well so it stops that afternoon slump if you're feeling a bit tired um, but I think being vegan you can still eat just as all the same foods as everyone else can't you really yeah like now nowadays it is so much easier there's there is as you said substitutions for almost anything and everything you could ever imagine so it's it's more easy now than ever um on that note as well um how long have you been vegan and what was your kind of journey to veganism was that as part of ww at the same time or before yeah so i guess i'm just trying to think of the dates and, and years and stuff so i um my family aren't veggie or vegan so that i was brought up very much like uh sunday roast like you know meat and two veg and all of that sort of vibe um, and then it wasn't until i was about 14 15 that we went to a farm and I, I spit naive really because I didn't really think about like where meat came from. I obviously knew that certain meats were associated with certain animals, but I never questioned when I was eating it as to how it got on my plate. Um, I went to a farm and there was all these really cute animals. We went through a religious education trip actually. I'm not sure what the context of the trip was, but it just sticks out to me because I remember seeing all these sheep and pigs and I was like, they're so cute. They're amazing. Like, I really felt like connected to the animals and I said like how how long do you keep all these animals for like how do you get the room and he said oh well they only stay here like for a few years and then they're sent to slaughter and I just stopped and was like what and it, that was when it kind of clicked for me that actually these are the animals that end up on our plate and are in the supermarket and I thought oh I, I don't want to do that anymore but I went pescatarian and I think that's because I didn't know enough about the fishing industry and the trade and it was mainly out of fear because back uh, this was about 15 uh, probably oh, well maybe 15 years ago now or probably a little bit less than that but I'd say 12 to 15 years ago that I decided to go pescatarian um, and it was mainly out of fear because I don't, people would say like oh but where are you going to get your protein from if you cut out meat and fish you're not going to get any form of protein blah 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 so I say okay well I'll still eat fish so I carried on with that for, for years. And it wasn't until I started go, traveling to Asia that I saw how the fish are killed. And I just thought, I cannot 
like it, again it was complete ignorance on my part from not having done the research and maybe also part of me not wanting to know because I thought well if I know what really happens I'm not going to want to eat it and I think quite a few people have that kind of mindset where they don't want to open themselves up because they will horrified but um yeah i saw these crabs without going into too much detail but essentially they don't get killed out of sea they get brought back to the the markets and just left until they die themselves and that just completely broke my heart um so i went veggie so it's kind of like gradual steps i then was like i don't want to eat fish anymore and then i was like did a bit more research into the dairy industry like how eggs are produced and again I just thought this is the final step that I can't really do this anymore if I'm moaning about or I'm horrified by animals being killed animals are still being killed in, in these other industries but we're less you know we don't hear about it as much or it's kind of kept on the hush hush so that was my kind of journey so I've been vegan two years in April now so coming up for yeah so over two years um, but there's so much more room for improvement with, with, in terms of my lifestyle. So it's very much, I focused on my diet to start with, plant-based diet. And then now I'm more and more trying to look at other ways that I can be as ethical as possible in terms of like what makeup am I using, what skincare am I using. Um, so I'm using Tropic Skincare now and I've used that for over a year and a half. And it's all vegan, cruelty-free, natural products. So I'm really trying to open my eyes and I'm constantly looking at ways to learn about that. And I think there's a much you know there's concepts around like being a perfect vegan and that can put people off but I remember Shirin saying that you focus on progress not perfection when we had this conversation before and you actually focus about just doing what you can in this moment you're actually more likely to then make those choices for the environment and for the animals because you're not thinking well I have to do everything at once you yeah. know just reducing your meat intake or your dairy intake can make more of a difference than what people realize yeah, I think it's one of those things that people think you have to go all in from the start. And it's like, oh, people will try and catch you out and be like, oh, but, but this, oh, you're wearing leather shoes, you're doing this. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm trying, I'm working my way towards that. And when I buy a new yeah. pair, like, I'll make sure they're, they are ethical and they're not animal leather, like all this stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's very much, it's a journey. Like, don't try and think of it as a coverall. And I think that's where mm. plant-based rather than vegan is becoming much more popular because that's, more flexible in terms of saying actually i do have eggs on the weekend or i do like i still eat a little bit of meat if if it's served to me um but it's not mm. i'm 100 percent vegan and like i'm gonna preach it and blah 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 it's yeah it's a much more kind of casual style yeah and i think by showing people rather than dictating to them they're more likely to learn and be like wow look at all of this food so if, if i post a photo of a recipe on instagram without really making a big deal out of the fact it's vegan, people will enjoy it and might make it themselves. And then it, they won't actually get to the end where they think, oh God, I've not actually used any meat or dairy in this, but it tastes delicious. So it's just trying to educate people. And that's why it's great, like with Mitch's Kitchen, that you have all these meals that people can grab and it's convenient and you know you keep it in the freezer and you can cook it, but it's still nutritious. Mm -hmm. And if you gave that to your family, they're not necessarily gonna think, oh, sorry, but where's the meat in this? They're going to be too busy eating it and enjoying it. Yeah, that's precisely one of the reasons we did exactly what we're doing is, is that healthy convenience food. Again, like certain ready meals, yes, they're not great, um, but there's much more now being hand produced or there's no additives or they're much fresher. Yeah. Um, so it's just knowing what you're buying and what you're putting into your body as well. Um, so going um, back to the diet side of things, 
Um, yeah. When you were growing up, you said obviously overweight as a child. What was your kind of earliest positive food experience and your earliest negative food experience? Like one ingredient or meal you've eaten and gone, oh, I still crave that or love that and, and miss that. And then the other one of, I haven't eaten that since. So my favourite food experience is my nan's mashed potato. No. So she would do... I don't even know what was in it, probably just a lot of milk and butter, but she would, it, we always had it on Boxing Day. So it would be lots of peeled potatoes. It would all be left over from Christmas dinner and she'd mash them with, I think it would just be milk and butter. But then I was very odd and I would cover it in salad cream. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know why, but I absolutely loved it. And my first thought when I went vegan to have my first vegan Christmas was, I'm not going to be able to have this anymore. Um, but bless her, she still made she still makes me my own vegan mash, and she'll still put like a Vitalite in it and my soy milk, and it still tasted just as good to be fair because it's the creaminess that I think that I really liked because there's nothing worse than when you get dry mashed potato with like lumps in it, is there? It has to be creamy and like nice and buttery. So yeah, and and also you can get free from salad cream from Tesco. So I was still in my element, so I still enjoy that to this day. Um, but yeah, that's probably a positive food experience. A negative food experience was, I don't know if, hopefully no one's going to listen to this, that, um, that this relates to and I'll get in trouble. But um, I used to go to a childminders and she'd, uh, well, I remember this and I was only speaking to mum about it the other day because I was like, I can't believe you used to make me do that. They would cook me these chicken nuggets, right? But they weren't like McDonald's uh, Happy Meal chicken nuggets from what I remember them being like when I was a kid. But th like they had bits in them. That's the only way I can describe it. It was like these cheap nuggets that like had these breadcrumbs in, which wasn't like a batter. They just used to like fall off. Like the crumbs would just fall off. And the chicken had bits, it had bits in it. And that, I used to have to go there and eat them. And I'd, I'd gag and like just try and put them in a bit of tissue. And it was just horrific. Uh, yeah, that, that sounds awful. I think that would that would be enough to put you off chicken nuggets. But have you had any vegan? Absolutely. Bits? Yes, I love vegan nuggets. I, the, my, the best ones I've had, I think, are the fries ones. Yeah. They come in like a little cardboard box. They're amazing, and they don't have any bits in. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, and I also do. You used to remember Billy Bearham. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, that is scary. When I think back of that now, like pretending that meat is like a cuddly teddy bear but I used to always have that in my sandwiches and I think back of that now and it like makes me actually shut up yeah it's, it's, it's mad how, how food is marketed to kids as well it is like you said absolutely I think I swear I've seen like Minions ham or uh, yeah Peppa Pig which is the most backwards disgusting thing it's like hey kids you love this pig now eat <laughs> Um, yeah and you don't even realize most of the time they just think it's like a, a slice of something that is decorated really pretty when there's a there's quite a lot of research that's been done like in terms of whether young children actually realize like where the like if they're eating a sausage like which animal it's connected with a lot of kids don't actually have that kind of understanding and I think if they did not in a scaremongering way but if kids actually understand that they might then have the ability to make their own choices from a younger age yeah yeah it's one of those things that as as a parent like um if me and Shireen ever decide to have children when yeah. you're using children around it you don't want to enforce your kind of views and your everything you kind of want to make let them make decisions but at the same time understand what those decisions mean um there's yeah. examples of vegan parents who have vegan children from quite a young age that have kind of shown their journeys of doing that and i think it is amazing yeah. 
but then it's also they get the stigma of oh yeah but your child's going to be malnutrition um he's going to have this and that and it's no actually they're some of the healthiest ones because they're eating like kale broccoli sweet potato from like age one or whatever <laughs> exactly and like what puzzles me is that people say oh you're going to bring your kid up vegan and it's like well actually i was brought up eating meat without a choice so it doesn't i think it works both ways doesn't it like you know you're feeding a child meat but they don't they might not even necessarily need that much protein or you know the that that food like like you say there's lots of other equivalents and i wish that you know if i was brought up eating all of the veggies from a young age it then wouldn't have taken me to becoming vegan to actually try them again because i just assumed that i didn't like mushrooms or i didn't like nuts and seeds but then when i was trying these foods again incorporating them into like recipes i was actually like wow this is so tasty mm. and i don't know if you found but like going plant-based vegan like did you find that your taste buds change like for more flavor like i love kind of i just love vegetables <laughs> yeah it, your palate and actually the enzymes in your stomach do actually change into how they process wow. how you yeah how you do taste certain foods so it's again if yeah. you if you were like anyone listening was to still drink dairy and then cut out dairy for about a month if you drink it again your body will react a completely different way to if you were having it every day um so yeah you do develop more like more palates and flavors like if you've ever done a juice fast or any kind of fast as soon as you bite into like fruit it tastes like the sweetest thing you've ever had in your life wow see it's crazy how your body can change like that quickly as well like, i always wonder what would physically happen to my body if i was to have like a beef burger or something because i've not had it for since I was like early teens and um, I do kind of wonder what what the effect would be it's just crazy yeah. how your body adapts um food wise again then um where do you think is the best ever meal you've had whether it's in the UK something you've made or an experience around food that you go that is my standout best ever meal food experience ever oh that's so difficult because I did you when I used to love seafood, for example, like I would love like fresh lobster and that now like breaks my heart when I think about it. But like that would be my food experience from back then that I would have loved like in my pescatarian days. But I'm probably going to toot your trumpet here, Mitch. But every time I went to Offbeat when you was cooking, like I would absolutely love the food. And I went, I'd go with mum quite a few times and she did, she wasn't vegan or veggie or anything at the time, but like, I just couldn't get over like the amount of flavor that could be achieved through like plants. Um, and probably one of my favorite things that I've had is the raw cheesecake. Yeah. And I think it's like a blueberry one. Uh, is it a blueberry one? Yeah. Like uh, the you, base is like. As you say, you had quite a few. I know uh, yeah. <laughs> the orange turmeric and ginger. Yes. Yeah. That was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You can tell by my face, like they're my favourites, and um, and I don't ever think I'd be able to make that myself. But like now and again, me and Jamie will make something, and we're like, yeah, this is the best thing that we've ever made. Um, like I made uh, the other week that we quite like is a sag um, paneer curry, but we use tofu, and I make the sauce through like using spinach and coconut milk. Um, there's not really a lot of oil that's used in it either. But at the moment, we like making like curries, but doing like smaller different portions of curry then eating them all together i'm quite into that at the moment so that's another foodie experience but i'm looking forward to the day that you say you're making cheesecakes again mitch <laughs> yeah that, that's the the constant request like whenever i say right what, what desserts do people want to see you're always the first to say cheesecake and, uh, 
this for me, I'm so specific on, I know how good the cashew based cheesecakes are and trying to do them nut free. Yeah. Like the base is fine. That's not a problem, but the same texture bite, creaminess, everything. Like I just haven't quite got it there yet, but it is a work in progress. Yeah. Well, I'll keep my, I'm keeping my ears peeled and my fingers crossed for that one. <laughs> So is there any um, particular foods you couldn't live without? I think we know what's going to come to come to the answer here. Yeah, yeah. so anyone that is listening to this that um, might follow my Instagram or anything, they're probably going to know what I'm going to say, and it begins with H and ends and S, and that's hummus. And I can't believe that I went so many years without it and hadn't even tried it, but yeah, hummus is the one thing I probably couldn't live without. Um, but I have to, I, over the years, I've kind of turned into a hummus snob in terms of like what hummus I like and what I don't like. And Sabra is like the king hummus, I think, I've found. Unless like you go somewhere like Greece or, um, I don't know, Turkey, like from scratch, like their homemade hummus, like you can't really beat Middle Eastern, like made from scratch. Like in a, I think I had one at Christmas time in a Turkish restaurant. And I think the man thought I was weird because like I just ordered a plate of it with like pita. And then I finished it and I was like, I'd really like some more. He was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I would just have that as my main meal. That's absolutely fine. Um, but another food that I couldn't live without, probably either mushrooms or I do like tofu in terms of because I like to use it in loads of different ways in my meals. So I think that's quite a good staple. And even in terms of making sauces, like using silken tofu and things, I think it's just so diverse that that is quite a good staple um because it has it's got good protein in it as well so it's quite a good substitute but hummus has has to be hummus <laughs> how, how did that uh, obsession start because again like i think the one food i would associate with you would be hummus like yeah that. do you know what i i think that since i went on um ww since like following that plan they changed it so that you can get quite a lot of whole foods that are zero smart points so for me, like all the beans and legumes that I eat are zero smart points. So I don't have to like weigh them out or anything. Um, but obviously I do practice like portion control. Otherwise I would eat a whole tin of chickpeas blended up with olive oil and just eat the lot. Um, but I think from that experience, I was then like, right, I might try and make my own hummus. And I tried, but I, I can never get it like shop bought. And I think, or like homemade, like in a restaurant. But I think that's because it has quite a lot of olive oil in it. And also they use the aquafaba as well, don't they, I think. So it really is like velvety and delicious. But I try to make my own like healthier alternatives. Um, but then like I try and have supermarket like reduced fat version, but they're just not the same. Um, so I would much rather spend like my daily smart points allowance on Sabra and get all the joy and pleasure from it. Um, so I think over the years like, I've gone from like trying basic homemade hummus where it's not even velvety. So then trying supermarket reduced fat hummus and then just being like, do you know what? Screw it. I'm going for the real, the real deal. <laughs> all the oil, all the tahini, all of the, yeah, chickpeas. Yummy. What's your view on the, the flavoured hummus? Have you seen there's, there's companies out there that make sweet hummus? Yeah. So I love Moorish hummus, like the yeah. smoked um, hummus. I tried to make my own chocolate hummus before and it was a disaster. Like it didn't even, I don't know if it's because I didn't add enough chocolate in it. Um, or like sweetener but it just didn't taste right um, and I know as well you can make like chickpea peanut butter cookies which kind of remind me a bit like uh, using like ingredients that you would for hummus to make like a savoury cookie um, but I'm not quite sure on the sweet yet but I've seen that in the supermarket now there's a Marmite hummus 
Um, and I looked further into it and they put milk powder in it. Yeah. How dare they? <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, have you seen the Marmite Hummus? And yeah, I yeah. it's not vegan, which seems like a mad, mad step. Like, I, I never They're missing a trick. Why is milk in hummus and guacamole sometimes? Like, the shop bought guacamole and milk is one of my bugbears that if anyone yeah. in the food <laughs> network, anywhere listening, is hearing this, don't put milk in guacamole. Like, when would you see yeah. an authentic recipe for guacamole that has milk? Just never. Like, yeah. If you went to Mexico and you see them doing it, like making it with a pestle and mortar, they're not going to stop, get out a carton of milk and be like, yeah, I think we just need to add this here. No. Why, why do you think that is? Is, is it to keep it, like, it's I don't be, know, is it to keep it fresh or for the shelf life? No, nah, it'll be a, a cream. It's going to be cheaper than avocado to make it creamy and thinner and go further. So it's, it's again, it's going to be to do with dairy and a byproduct of milk industry or whatever. They yeah. You can put it in this, that's another ingredient. And if you put it in this, that's another product. So it's, again, spreading that and the income for that industry as well. But it's going to be definitely down to a cost saving because it, it, yeah. it can taste, but not taste of milk. Whereas avocado, like, you need a lot more of it or more oil. Yeah, and it's like the percentage of it as well. It's so small that it's like, just get rid of it. Like in crisps as well, like you see your favourite crisps and then you turn the packet over and it's like 2% milk powder. You're like, damn you. Yeah, yeah shout out to the Holy Guacamole. They're one of the first ones that were kind of doing it without. And they do like the smashed avocado and the, the pure um, like guacamole that you can buy pre-made. Yes. You never need it. Yeah, I've seen that. It's yeah, that's in Waitrose, I think. I've seen that because it's but like always next to the Moorish hummus as well. Um, they're like my faves. Yeah, I could just eat that for breakfast, lunch and dinner, I think. <laughs> so other than that, is there one particular product or um, ingredient that you're currently obsessed with other than hummus? I would probably say pippin nut, uh, almond nut butter or just any nut butter. I'm like trying to try different ones. But then I'm just conscious of the fact that I then have like six jars of different nut butters in, in my cupboard and Jamie doesn't eat it. So it's just me. Um, so at the moment, I've gone through the whole Earth's peanut butter. That I really like the smooth one. I like Pippin Nut. But now I've bought the Manny Life one that I'm going to try. Um, do you have any faves that you'd recommend? Nut butter? Um, yeah, Manny Life, they definitely were the innovators of the over-roasted peanut butter, which is that gold caramelly yeah. colour. Um, mm. I've heard about the story and they essentially left it in to roast too long, forgot it was on, came back to it and were like, oh, that's tasty. And now you see all the other yeah. ones matching up and going, oh, we should do that because it does taste really good. Yeah. Um, but you know, I like the big bulk buy and like Aldi do a kilo of crunchy or smooth nut butter for like three Oh, amazing. So... It's a bargain one, and again, no palm yeah. oil, nothing added, just peanuts. So uh, that's what you're looking for. But yeah, the independent brands I do like to support. So whenever I see a new one coming in, I always buy it and try it. Um, like we we did Borough Market with a company called Jake's Boost, and they do oh, seed butters. So they've got some that have like tiger nuts or um, carob bits or coconut bits. Like they had a, a banana um, nut butter which had like tiger nuts, pieces of dried um, freeze dried banana. And it was just, I pretty much just spooned it. It was so good. <gasps> Wait, who, what is that? I'm going to write that one down. Yeah, it's called Jake's Boost. Um, yeah, shout, shout out to Jake's Boost. They're awesome guys. Like Jake was their dog. So it was, um, again, in, in memory of their, their dog, Jake. So it was a really Aww. Cool But yeah, awesome guys and, and shout out to them. 
Yeah, because I love like at the moment we're going to Sainsbury's and they've got like a section which is dedicated to like new um, or up and coming like independent brands. And we always like stop and have a little look at those because um, I've only recently started like drinking kombucha and I love it. Can't believe it. I think when I first tried it, I was a little bit off put because I thought oh, it tastes a bit like beer. Um, but I do think that the more you drink it, you kind of get used to it. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I love it. We tried selling it offbeat like three, four years ago when it was only, it was quite new. I'd come back from America like, yeah, kombucha is amazing. We need to do it. It's a health drink, blah, blah, blah. And like, people would have it and be like, I think it's gone off. It tastes a bit sour. Or it's, <laughs> there's bits in it. <laughs> there's bits in it. Like I think it's the dirty one. And it's like, no, no, that's the culture. Like it's the thing. But now I think people understand it. And there's so many brands out there. Um, so yeah, kombucha is another really good one for the gut health side. Um, yeah, definitely. yeah, that, that Sainsbury's innovation section definitely shout out to everyone that's pushing with that because I again yeah. I'll go in and I'll buy the little bits and, and try different things because it's great to see other food producers who've got their foot in the door into this trial section and I think the ones that are popular then have potential to then have a full listing on the shelf so it's always good to go and support that. Definitely, that's what I'm waiting for, Mitch, for your um, <laughs> for your like meals to get in there. Yeah, well, we'll see which which way we go with that for sure. Definitely. Um, so before we, we start to wrap up a little bit, because I am conscious of time, so if you've made Yeah, sorry, time, I could like literally speak for hours about like all of this sort of topics. <laughs> no, I just wanted to uh, go back to your, your journey with food and obviously Rainbow Room and not only is your food colourful, but your outfit's colourful. And I think it's, it's really interesting to understand that from being overweight as a child to now yeah. the kind of positivity and energy and confidence you seem to have day to day like where has that kind of stemmed from and how have you cultivated that because there will be people out there listening who are very introverted or kind of shy and and see someone like you and be like oh I could never be like that but I can't imagine that was that's been you the whole time no I think like really it all stems down to just like knowing who you are so if you want to wear like colorful clothes but something's holding you back like fear of judgment from others or you feel like you're not the right size or shape or you don't you don't think your partner's gonna like it like just take all of those out of the equation and just bring it back to you like what will make you genuinely happy if it's wearing something that is a bit more off the cuff and people might give you a funny look if you go in the supermarket who cares if it's gonna make you happy then just bloody go for it because life's too short and I think that's kind of the way that I've tried to just like take every bit of clothing that I wear if it makes me feel happy I'll wear it um and I won't try not to worry about others like obviously sometimes I do have down days in terms of like like anyone where I'm not feeling very confident in myself or I'm just having a bit of a flat day um and I do love to wear my dressing gown at home like if we weren't filming this now I'd probably be in my dressing gown because it's miserable outside but I think just always use getting changed as an opportunity to reflect your personality because I think if I feel grey inside and, I, and I'm wearing like clothes that make me feel happy and comfortable, then I'm more likely to have a better day. So I think just always try and focus on you and try and ignore any kind of inner chatter that we all seem to have, which tries to put us down. And it, we all have an alter ego, which is always going, you're not good enough. You can't do that. But just fighting back from time to time and just saying, I'm not putting up with this. I, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to go for it today. I think it makes such a difference to your outlook. You live a bit more in the moment. You just go for it and don't worry about it till after. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, su such a good message. And it is, 
it is amazing though, especially as a guy, if I put on a tux and I feel like, yeah, like this, you feel something when you put it on. And I think if you can do that day to day with your colorful wardrobe, then yeah, why shouldn't you feel great with however you look, however you feel, just put on something that makes you feel good and makes you feel like you. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't even need to be like an expensive constant, like because fast fashion is not good for the environment at all. But just investing in a couple of pieces that are going to make you feel happy or buying a, a, a pair of colourful earrings off of someone from Instagram. Because so many independent businesses, especially through lockdown, are selling like colourful things. Um, and just I find that if I'm surrounded by colour, I do feel generally happier. Because um, I know that in the winter, when it gets darker, that really does impact my mood. I probably do have kind of some sort sort of seasonal change in, in my mood as well. So I just think, give yourself lots of colour and light if that's what makes you happy. And don't worry about anyone else. Fantastic. Uh, right. So before I ask you the final, final question, um, where can people find out more about you, get in contact if they have any other questions? Um, where's the best way? Yeah, absolutely. So if anyone has any questions about WW, veganism, or just recipes and cooking in general, I'm on Instagram at rainbow three underscores room. So you can find me on there. Feel free to message me, send us a comment or um, whatever, and I'll, I'll get back to you. Brilliant. So final question is you've lived out your long life. You've done everything you've ever wanted to do. And it's your final meal before you move on to whatever your final chapter is. Oh, you have, you can have whatever you want to drink, starters, mains, desserts, anything. What would it be? Okay. Right. So starters, it's going to be hummus, but it'll probably have to be like a smoked hummus with lots of crudités on the side. Um, my main, you know, it's going to probably sound quite boring, but maybe I would have half and half. So I would have lots of Indian sides. So like Bombay aloo, uh, like some tofu paneer, something with chickpeas in it um, and a chapati. And then the other half would be a deep pan for four cheese vegan pizza <laughs> with uh, like a garlic and herb dip or something like that. Something mayo-y, garlic-y, creamy. And then for pudding, I would have two puddings. The first one would be the ginger and turmeric cheesecake that I would ask you to make me specifically. And then the second one would probably be like either a sticky toffee pudding with ice cream or like uh, one of your kind of, you know, like the dark chocolate, like velvet brownies with ice cream on top and custard as well. Ice cream and custard is a thing and together it is amazing. <laughs> Brilliant. That sounds like, uh, and what would the drink of choice be? I would probably need to just have water because if I had anything with anything fizzy with all of that food, I just wouldn't be able to eat it all. But I, I do like kombucha. So I love the uh, remedy, the dark plum. I think it's dark yeah. plum or, or cherry plum. That's like one of my faves, but I'd probably have to pace myself and not drink it all at once because then I'd get too full and not enjoy the meal. Love that. So yeah, anyone listening <laughs> to Alicia, she is absolutely fantastic, super positive, a great ambassador for WW and a fantastic audience so um yeah have an amazing rest of the week and thank you so much for your time oh thanks mitch it's a pleasure and i look forward to seeing everything that you guys are up to over at mitch's kitchen as well brilliant take care thanks bye, bye.